If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hey, Rock Thomas here. If you followed me long enough, you know that I'm the founder of M1, a mastermind group. But what does that actually mean for you? It means that there's a group of 400 high achievers out there from all over the world walking the path to success and fulfillment in their lives together, helping each other accelerate their success through knowledge and networks, ready to help you take your life and business to greater heights. I'm really proud of the success stories, and I want one of yours to be the next one. If you're serious about getting out of your own way and creating a life you're excited about, then get on a call with my team at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and get started today. Today's guest is an absolute gentle giant, a sweetheart. We're going to go down memory lane all the way back to his grandfather who taught him some of the principles of success all the way back to the Great Depression. Stephen is the founder and CEO of Predictive ROI, a digital marketing agency and the host of Onward Nation, a top-rated daily podcast for learning how today's top business owners think, act, and achieve. Onward Nation is listened to in 140 countries around the world, and we have the host himself here on Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. He's also the author of four books, including the Amazon.com bestseller, Profitable podcasting. His digital marketing insights have been featured on Forbes, Entrepreneur, The Washington Post, and Inc. Magazine. He really loves to help people. And you're going to see when we talk to him today that he gets emotional about making a difference in people's lives. And he wants to help people through integrity and through being generous, teaching, and he's always learning. So let's go to my chat with Stephen Westner. Hey, Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Well, hey, Rock, thanks very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here with you and your audience. Well, you know what, As from one bald brother to another, we're going to talk about how to rock your money and rock your life. And you've been really diligent in helping people get really specific in working through the online community. And I want to get to that a little bit later in the show, but I want to start with first, everybody in their life has some adversity they've overcome in order to really sculpt who they are. And let's talk a little bit about a couple of things in your life that you know really cast your character in that vein. Gosh, uh, as you said, there's uh, there, there tends to be a long list uh, for us. So, well, let, let me let me give that back to you uh, and, and ask: Do you want personal or business? <laughs> you know, I like to start with personal because I think that that usually leads to where you end up making your money. But I could be wrong. Let's see what happens. Okay. Um, well, so let me let me kind of take you back to. Um, you know, how my family uh, actually got here. And mm -hmm. so my, because this ties into then the entrepreneurial path. So my grandfather was born in Istanbul, Turkey. And uh, in 1902, he happened to be my very first mentor and still leaving an indelible impact on me. Fingerprints all over my life and the lessons that he taught me. And, and so he grew up in a time in Istanbul when it was not awesome to be a Greek male. And, and so my great-grandfather, his father, was uh, murdered uh, on the streets of Istanbul because he was Greek. 
And, and so, you know, when I think of the lens at which I look through the world today at, and some of the social strife and whatnot, I've not walked in those shoes directly, but I have an appreciation for it because of some of the experience in our family. My great grandfather was murdered because of his ethnicity. Obviously wow. that's wrong in, 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 in every sense of the word, but um, that happened when my grandfather was eight years old and he became the man of the house. He had to take care of his mom and his two younger siblings. He was in the third grade, it dropped out of school. And, and it was in that moment, Rock, that I believe that the DNA of our family instantly changed. Wow. And, and we became an entrepreneurial family. I believe that to my core. And so, you know, he did it with a smile on his face and knew that the spark was planted, right? Or spark was ignited right then and there that he was going to come to the United States at some point if he was blessed and fortunate enough to do so. And when he was 18, he did. He came here with $10 in his pocket. And six years later, he owned his own restaurant in downtown Canton, Ohio. And it wasn't because he did a GoFundMe campaign or hit up a bunch of people <laughs> on LinkedIn, right? This was 1926. And wow. he saved every dollar that he uh, earned, you know, washing vegetables and cutting lettuce and dishes at a downtown Canton, Ohio restaurant. And six years later, he owned his own restaurant and went on for a 42-year restaurant career, owning three different places, having four amazing kids along the way, 10 grandkids. Of course, I'm biased because I'm one of them. But we've all been entrepreneurs. And so that adversity happened early on in our family history, but wrote the narrative for all of us to look back at our legacy and the risks that Pop took and, and that's a photo of him actually standing uh, behind the lunch counter in his 1926 restaurant. Gave away more soup than he ever sold in the Great Depression uh, because he believed his grand business plan rock was, if you take care of your customers, they will take care of you. So when I think of adversity, I think of everything that my family went through to get here. And so when it's late at night and I'm tired, I think, yeah, I can send one more proposal. Or I can send one more email because that's what he'd want me to do. Nice. I want to unpack that a little bit. You said that he saved every penny, every dollar. Um, how did he communicate that story to you? Mm. Uh, well, so <laughs> uh, a lot of storytelling. So one of the things my grandfather was great at was actually telling stories. So I, I know exactly how he managed his cash box in his restaurant. Okay, so, so here, here's the thing. So he would sell a soup and sandwich uh, for uh, a, a, like homemade soup and sandwich for a nickel. If somebody wanted a hot dog and soup, it was 10 cents. And so this is what he would do. If somebody paid him 10 cents, he would put five cents in one like cigar, like cigar box. Remember those? Pay yourself like, first kind of thing. Right. Yeah, he'd put five, he would put five cents in one cigar box and five cents in another cigar box one of the five cents or one of the nickels was used to buy another hot dog. The, the other five cents was essentially what he would then get to save, right? So operating expense, cigar box, yeah. <laughs> and then, right, profit first, uh, Mike McCallum, right, right yes. over here, right? Although his percentage was 50% and not, you know, in the single digits. But, that's but it wasn't managed. on every transaction because if it was five cents, he didn't put it over there, right? Right. So, so that was, yeah, exactly. So then it'd be two and a half cents, which obviously can't do two and a half cents, but, but that's how he managed cash on every single, excuse me, every single transaction. And so what ended up happening was 
when he got married uh, to my grandmother uh, in the Great Depression, in the middle of the Great Depression rock, he went down and bought his house uh, that he raised his four kids in. We grew, uh, sort of grew up in, I mean, they sold the house when I was eight. But anyway, uh, he walked in at a, a sheriff's sale and paid $5,000 cash for this house because it was in arrears on taxes. Who's, who's walking in with $5,000 in cash in 1934? That's like 100,000 today. That's like 100,000 huh? today, probably. Yeah, I actually did the future value of money. It would be $76,234 today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who That's does incredible. that in the middle of the no. Great Depression? No, nobody, nobody. And so this is why I find it so interesting because a lot of people are not taught in school some of the tenets of wealth creation. And this podcast is really helping people to get out of the rat race and to live a life of purpose and meaning. So there he is. He's working really diligently, working hard, which is great. He's paying himself first. He's saving money for future so he could take advantage of something. He got to the Great Depression. What did you say? Take care of your clients and they'll take care of you? Yep. So there's four or five lessons right there that would appear benign. And uh, for most people, they might not even see them. And that's why I repeat them. How much of you now have mimicked that? I, I would like to think, because I think about him every day. Mm -hmm. um, sorry. Uh, I would like to think that, um, that my life in, in some small way pays some respect to the risks and the legacy that he created for our family. Um, Where's that emotion? Is that the price he paid to give you the opportunity to have a great life? Yeah. And, you know, not, not only did he work hard, but his kids worked hard. You know, my, my mom, my uh, aunts and uncle worked hard. Um, you know, my uncle still owns his restaurant. So my grandfather's son, my uncle, who's also my godfather, still runs his restaurant today at the age of wow. 80, wow. 80 years old. And he's still in there every single day. That's so cool. And, um, you know, he doesn't look a day over 55, honest to goodness, not exaggerating. And so, you know, my family is extremely important to me. Um, and they've been there for me when I needed it most. Um, and, you know, my, my life growing up was literally the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding played out in real life. Um, <laughs> and so they mean a lot to me. And so, uh, you know, my, what my grandfather and my grandmother did, or my papu and my yaya, what they did for us, uh, deserves a lot of respect. Mm. So what, what, what's your relationship with your mother? This is your, your mother's father, correct? Yes. And what did, what was her life like raising you? Did she work also or was she mostly a full-time mom? Um, she worked really hard and, and still does. And um, she had a lot of challenges along the way, mostly because uh, my, my father was not a great dad. And um, most, I have very few memories. I, I know him. Uh, but we don't have, uh, you know, the depth of relationship that, that, that I would like, that I've always, you know, yearned for. Um, but, you know. Did he, have a, did he have addictions or bad habits or what was the deal? No, um, at least not that, I, not that I'm aware of. Um, just think that, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that just 
parenting wasn't his thing. And, and I'm certainly not trying to sound like I'm giving him a pass. I, I look at sometimes rock that there are, there are good mentors and then there are bad mentors and you can learn just as much from the bad mentors because I've said to many people that uh, my father was a great mentor and they're like, what are you talking about? You don't have much of a relationship with your father. And I said, because I do the exact opposite. Like, like whatever I see or a recommendation or whatever, I go 180 degrees in the exact opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so consequently, my, my mom had uh, more struggle than, you know, what she deserved. She was a single mom trying to hack it out of the wilderness. Um, and, and I think that she did, you know, very well. Thankfully, we, because of a tight-knit Greek family, um, you know, we had all kinds of support. So I grew up and my cousins, uh, my first cousins today are still like my brothers and sisters, even though I'm an only child. Um, and they've all built something very meaningful. And I've tried to learn from those lessons to do the same in my family. So your grandfather was kind of more like your dad in some ways. My grandfather was very much a parental figure for me, uh, as was ironically, uh, my dad's dad. So my grandfather on my father's side, uh, I have two mm-hmm. uncle bills of uh, one of which, uh, one of whom has passed, unfortunately, uh, four and a half years ago. Um, but my godfather, my Uncle Bill, uh, was very much a father role for me. Um, and we also have the benefit of, of having some really, really strong uh, and some amazing strong women in our family. And so I, I had multiple moms. So it was like raising me was really hands on deck for a lot of people, uh, which I'm very, very grateful for. That's cool. So now let's talk a little bit of how you've taken you know, those life experience, your past, uh, the role models, and you've chosen to go, you know, into a, a specific niche and help people navigate through a very fast paced changing world, mm. the online world. Let's talk a little bit about the problems you solve for entrepreneurs. I think it's, it's really, which is why like early on in our relationships with clients, sometimes it gets emotional, kind of like, you know, the conversation I'm having with you right now is because of what somebody does or has chosen to do, oftentimes there's a very direct and solid link back to their own personal story. Mm -hmm. Um, So we help people get super clear on their niche and who they want to serve. We help them get really clear on the why or the point of view as to, you know, how they look through the world. Like what's that lens look like? And then, and then create content around that so they can build an audience that helps them then build their business. All of it is based on some of the things that I learned from my grandfather. He had a third grade education, but was one of the smartest, most brilliant, always learning people who I've ever had the privilege of knowing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we think about what makes somebody an authority, it's somebody who is generous, which he was, somebody who loves to teach, which he did, somebody who never wants to stop learning, which he never did. And so when I think about all of these things that embody that we call those the 10 truths of what makes somebody an authority, you know, I I can absolutely see the link back to my grandfather. But then I also see that, okay, when you play this role and when you really truly believe that in your core, so you're not faking it, like when that's part of your DNA, Great things can happen. When you take care of your customers, they will take care of you. When you take care of your audience, they will take care of you. And so, you know, we've been doing this now for 11 years. 
And, and we really love being, a, being able to help a business owner connect with their audience in that way. So you've written four books, bestsellers. What is the book that people should start with if they want to start learning how to um, get into this conversation? Mm, well, so my uh, just, uh, I honestly didn't have this here as a plant. I promise. <laughs> it just happened to be here. It's all good. <laughs> so th this is the most recent one, Sell With Authority, that I wrote with my co-author, Drew McClellan, who's the CEO of Agency Management Institute. We wrote that as a way to help agency owners do some of the things we just talked about. Uh, Chris Prefontaine, our mutual friend, along with Drew, and some of Chris's high six associates are actually now writing the real estate version of that. Um, mm -hmm. So that'll be cool. So starting there with Sell With Authority, even though even if somebody's not an agency owner, it is a great business-to-business -business book. That sounds really arrogant, sorry. Uh, a business-to-business -business book for helping somebody um, plant their flag of authority. Yeah, well, there's no problem, no shame. We don't apologize for being awesome <laughs> and for creating great stuff. So that's what people are listening to this show for is to understand, you know, the, the 10, 20, 30, and maybe in your case now close to 100 years of experience through, you know, your grandfather and the habits and the rituals and he works hard and he was consistent and he made some good choices. And I think today that it's so important for people to understand what are the fundamental things that they need to repeat and ingrain. So if you look at some of the mistakes or weaknesses that people struggle with today in order to become successful, um, what are some of the things you, you, you find that you visit with a lot? Mm. Okay, uh, so there's several. Uh, the first one is, and th this definitely connects into wealth building, is thinking that it's gonna happen overnight. Mm. I mean, I, I literally have conversations with business owners, not, not, and I'm not calling out any of our clients because it's, it's, typically, yeah. it's typically a non-client where I have this conversation because we only wanna work with uh, partners who are, are aligned with our you know, point of view and where we can be helpful. So, but, but typically we find business owners in such a hurry. Well, I want 10, I want 10, I want 10 million followers on Instagram. Why? Mm -hmm. or, 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 or just the long list of vanity numbers. Why? Or gosh, I've been running my podcast or video series, or I wrote one book or, or I wrote an ebook or whatever. And how come I'm not hitting seven figures, eight figures yet? Really? I mean, you, you know, you know, it took John D. Rockefeller 42 years. I think people don't know that. Right. And, you know, it's like in, in you, you look at the early on lessons of, you know, some of the titans of early industry, excuse me, or like we heard from Ed Milet last week yeah. during QLS Live. And he talked about some of the struggles that he went through. It's part of the story. And, and I often find that business owners or some people want to try to circumvent that. And the reality is, is that what makes, that's what's make, that is what makes you awesome on the back end is the path. Right. So um, I'm often asked questions about like that, you know, speed. Right. So there's, there's, I think a lot of times people, they don't have the ability to, you know, they don't have savings. It's back to the fundamentals. So they need to make money quickly in their mind, at least. So they're trying to find the shortcut and, and the hack and it makes them desperate, makes them cut corners. 
So other than that, if you get them in a place where they understand that they have to plant the seed and water it and nurture it and, and prune it and eventually harvest it later, what are some other things that people, um, people run into as problems? Well, um, another topic we talked about a lot last week, right? And that's, and that's mindset. And, and I put that into the imposter syndrome piece. So in or, at least in our world, in order for somebody to step into true authority, it's actually having something of depth and value to share. And, and, and if somebody's been a business owner for two years, three years, five years, six years, seven years, obviously they're doing something right. I mean, they're, they're, customers are coming to them, clients are coming to them seeking knowledge about something. So they're, I'm sure they're not just pulling the wool over somebody's eyes. So part of that is just like unpacking that value and figuring out what that is. But then sometimes too, it's, it's squaring with the imposter syndrome that sometimes rears this ugly head and tells you you're less than, or who do you think you are to teach something like this? Or you're not worthy to have an audience. You're not worthy to be on an interview with Rock and talking about your business or your story or whatever. Why would anybody want to pay attention to that? So I think sometimes if, if somebody, if somebody's able to say, yep, I'm going to plant my flag of authority and realize that this is a long-term strategy to build my business and build my wealth. Awesome. Then as soon as that happens, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Now I have to teach. Now I have to share. Now I have to be generous. Who am I to do such an amazing thing? And so then it's, you have to get them over that imposter syndrome. And, and then, and then after that, it's, it's just like anything else, building momentum, small wins turn into bigger wins and so forth. Yeah, I, I think that one of the beautiful things about a community or mastermind group or anything like that is that you get to see people that are like you alongside you succeed and fail. And then it becomes the normal that you're running at that speed. If you run a marathon in four hours, then that's okay. You don't have to go, I'm not enough. You go, this is what happens. So I've learned it's really important to be around like-minded people that have similar values and goals and then I start to be able to show up and feel not like an imposter, but hey, you know what? Plus, it's a lot more fun to go through this world with people and celebrate your successes and share your downfalls and be connected in a community of people that authentically uh, want you to succeed and want you to um, share your life with them. And so that's something I learned later in life. As a young man, I was always competitive and I wanted to you know, crush the guy on the football field off of me, bash the guy into the boards in hockey, and then annihilate the person in sales in my office. Um, and maybe in some cases naively, I, I mean, in integrity, I was taught that by my father, but I wouldn't say at all costs, but I was, I was a little bit, you know, if the elbow got up once in a while, uh, you know, I, I lived with that. But now today, I think it's a little bit more about especially with COVID, what's the community that you're going to find? We're heading into now, you know, this longer term experience with COVID. It's not, it's not disappearing. And therefore, I think there's probably a lot of people that are still dealing with almost post stress through this. What are your thoughts on that as we head into, you know, this, not a second wave, but a longer term period of this? I, I, th I think the, you know, back in, in mid-March, when everybody was really desperate to grab hold of 
you know, getting back to old, old normal. And then we started hearing the term of what's new normal. And the reality is nobody knows. There's so much conjecture. There's so much speculation. It, there, the, the, the ground is still shifting. Totally get that. Um, but but I, I think what we're starting to see is, is businesses saying, okay, um, we need to get back to business or business owners saying, okay, we need to get back to business. How do we do that safely? Right. Both for our clients and customers, as well as our team. Can we do that? And, and I think the answer is yes. Do we have to be pragmatic? Yes. Um, and then, but I think a lot of things are going to be affected forever. And, and what I mean by that is I think that COVID is going to disrupt the higher education space. I think that COVID is going to disrupt K through 12. I think it's going to force uh, some school districts and some universities to really double down on technology. I think mm -hmm. the days of, now this is me speculating, so just to be mm -hmm. clear, this is my opinion. I think the days of universities running $100 million campaigns in order to build a new building on campus, I think those days are gone. Um, and so I think that there's just gonna be a lot of change. And with that, I think that there's going to be huge new upstarts and brand new industries um, that we've never seen before that can accommodate right. that. We've, right, Microsoft Teams is awesome. Zoom is awesome. I think there's gonna be more things like that that are awesome. So who knows, but I think the world is ready to get back to business in a much more safe and pragmatic way. And then on the health and safety side, hopefully we'll get the virus contained, there'll be a, vi or a vaccine and, and all of that, obviously. So anybody that's gonna be going into this new era is gonna to have to be flexible, adapt in order to win Selling with authority, having the ability to be generous and teach and learn and continue to do the things that you teach, I think is really now going to be highlighted more than ever. Would you agree with that? I, I do agree. Granted, I know that some of your listeners will be like, well, of course he agrees. He's biased. <laughs> and, 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 and I get that. Um, and, but but here's, here's why I agree. I agree because that when somebody has built an audience and somebody has built an audience generously, I think what they're doing is they're future-proofing their business. I think what they're doing is developing deep emotional connections with their audience and customers that is somewhat resilient to these types of things. And if they're truly good at what they do and it's not some sort of snake oil campaign and they've really truly become the authority and they've become the trusted expert, the guide, you know, um, you know, the thought leader, you know, uh, Edelman in their 2020 uh, trust barometer report showed that 85% of people today want to be able to look to a rock or a Steven or a Chris or a Sarah or whatever and, and know that you are somebody that they can depend on and that you are their trusted expert. 85% of 37,000 people that participate in the study. So being the trusted guide is more critical today than it has ever been. Well, you th I think on that note, Steve, we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, where can people get hold of you if they wanna learn how to be uh, uh, better at selling with authority and influencing people with integrity? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. So my last name is spelled W-O-E-S-S -S, as in Sierra Sierra, N-E-R, so Stephen Wessner on LinkedIn. And you can find me at predictiveroi.com. So, all of our podcast episodes, I'm the host of Onward Nation, um, and we have almost a thousand interviews, and you'll be our great guest in about three or four weeks, which I'm excited about. Um, so those two places, LinkedIn and PredictiveROI.com. 
Beautiful. And remember what Steve said is it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. But find the right mentor, find the right niche. And then as his grandfather said, you know, if you're generous and you like to teach and learn, then you're probably going to do really well in the long term. So thank you for your words of wisdom and thank you for taking us down memory lane. Beautiful story. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the opportunity. It's great to be with you. 100%. And remember that on this channel, what we do is we rock your money so you can rock your life. We'll see you on the next episode. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.